Welcome to On Demand. I am a lover of On Demand because you get to go to church when you want to. That's right. You get to dial in and send it to a friend if it blesses you. It's a great tool and I hope you enjoy it. Today, we're going to talk about the power of your decisions and how you can decide to be strong. I believe that being strong is about a decision you make. Finally, my brother, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you decide. So stay with us. Enjoy this message. This series can really make the difference in your life because believe it or not, sometimes all of life can change when you make one decision. So stay there. I'll be back and pray for you at the end of the message. So don't leave. Enjoy. Repeat it with me, please say deciding Deciding. to be strong. strong. I almost change it to the courage to be strong. Because the the real key to strength is making a decision. Repeat this with me, please. Say being strong strong. is directly tied to a decision. You decide to be strong. You decide to clean your house. You decide to be in shape. You decide to eat right. You decide to save your money. You decide to go to school. You decide. You decide. You decide to not act that way anymore. You make a decision. It's all about a decision. It's all about coming to that moment in your life when you decide not to care about that anymore. Not worrying about what people say about you. Not worried about how they view you. You just don't think about that anymore. That's no longer a value to you. And there are some things you need to decide. And one of them is that you need to decide to be strong. I love the verse. Ready? It's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, be what? Strong in the Lord. Finally, my brother, be what? And what else? In the power of his might. Two things you should focus on in the text. The word finally and the word strong. He's at the end of a conversation. Paul is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And in this conversation, he says to them, okay, in in conclusion, guys, let me say this. Well, I'm always going, well, what did the rest of the book say? I mean, finally means we're done, but I missed 90% of the movie. And so I want to go back later on and show you seven things Paul said that led up to this moment. But I want to probe this whole idea of being strong because I... I think it's fascinating. So let me, let me ask this and start with a simple question. Are you a strong person? In your mind, are you strong or are you weak? And if you say you're strong, how strong are you? How many of you would think in life, how many times have you thought about, I say this, how many times have you thought about somebody that you thought was, you, you, they're real strong and you measured yourself against them? And compared to them, you feel weak. But I think part of the problem is the way we define strength, which we'll talk about in a second. But I did this, um, <laughs> I did this little note that's not in your... I wrote down, I said, Temple, are you strong? And then I said, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, I love to do that all the time. You know, I do a lot of stuff like that. 10 being really strong. Temple, how strong are you? So I gave myself a number. I said, probably a 6 or a 7. Sometimes I'm a nine, eight in some areas. But I said, I'm about a six. I don't think I'm, if on a bad day, I might get to a five. But generally, six, seven-ish. So let me ask you this question. When you look around you and you see people, do you see strength or do you see weakness? The word strong simply means the person has the ability to accomplish a task. It means they, they are able to do something. When it says they're strong in the Lord, For Christians, that means a whole lot of spiritual stuff. But basically what it means is you're in a relationship. That you and God have a good relationship. 
If you're, if you're a strong basketball fan, you and the basketball have a good relationship. If you're strong in math, you in math. When you say you're strong in the Lord, you're saying that God and I have a, have a good relationship. And I'll talk more about that next week. But I, I want to focus on this idea of strength, and I want you to think with me for a second. Most people that you deal with, I'm curious, I want to know, are, are they strong or are they weak? On a scale of 1 to 10, tell me for a second. Think about it. Now, put, take all the people you know, okay, all the people you know, okay, and give them a rating. Are they, how many of you say, people I'm around, they're 10s, 9s, they're strong, all of them, everybody I'm around, okay. That's good. One person. Okay, the rest of we need to meet your friends. I'm telling you, all the people we don't know. All right, somebody else. Somebody, okay, they're, not, they're eight sevens. Raise your hands. Most people are eight sevens. Okay, most of you, the people around, they're sixes, fives, like that. Six or below. Raise your hand. Sixes or below. It, it's amazing how easy it is sometimes to assume everybody is strong, but everybody's not. So let me, let me ask this question. So, if they're weak, what are their greatest weaknesses? Now, you don't have to say any names now, but just the, when, when I look at my, the people I'm talking about, the greatest weakness is what? Say it. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Rejection. Rejection. Their greatest weakness is listening. Weak, weak mindset. Give up too quickly. Huh. Wow. It's deep. I like that. Strong. Yeah. What else? Patience. Lack of self-discipline. Fear. fear. I almost thought you said beer, but you said fear. I got you. <laughs> I said, oh, beer. No, fear. <laughs> Good God. Yes. Procrastination. What else? Of these people that you define as weak, what are they? Greatest weakness? What now? Negativity. Somebody else. What else? That's it? Yes. Indecisiveness. Okay. Now, the question is, how do you get them from being weak to being strong. How do, how do you take this person who's struggling with weaknesses? Well, the first thing you do is this. You ready? They've got to put on their glasses, right? And they've got to look at their life, and they've got to say, can you repeat with me, please? Say, I've decided, I've decided to, be to be strong. It's a decision. Joel chapter 3, verse 10. It's not in your notes. You can write that down. Joel 3, 10. Book of Joel. Chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what it says. Ready? Well, you know what? Um, let, let, me, um, let me do this first before you, before you turn there. Go back to the top of your notes. Read the verse out loud with me. Please I want to make sure you heard the whole thing. Come on. Say, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then I want you to go down to number five in your notes and watch this now. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, before I quote another verse in Joel. Galatians 6 and 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken and trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Now, what's impressive about what Paul says in Galatians 6 and 1 is that he says, Brothers, people who love God, people who serve God can be overtaken. The weaknesses you named and others can exist in a good person. A good person, a good person, when they take out their glasses and look at their lives, and see the truth about themselves, they'll say, I'm not a nine today, I'm not a ten. I tend to hang in the five procrastination area. I tend to, if you're honest, if you can be honest with yourself, if you can tell the truth, if you can for a moment say, 
I have an issue with balance. And that's a weakness. And it can overtake me and cause me to trespass, violate financial principles. I'll violate relationships. I'll do things. I, I can easily get frustrated. And so I need somebody to come and help sometimes restore me. I love honesty. I love Paul's honesty. I love the way he says it. And he said, when you do it, consider yourself and do it with the spirit of meekness, understanding that that's part of the process. Now, Joel chapter 3, verse 10 says this. Here's what you do to move from weakness to strength. Let the weak say I'm strong. You've got to say it. You've got to say it. And, and Joel chapter 3 is really a great chapter. It's in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, and not because it's, it's minor in value, but just small in size. And chapter 3, verse 10, the focus in that is simple. They've just come through a tragedy. All their crop was destroyed by locusts, and he's prophesying to them why it happened, number one. He said, because of your sinfulness. And then secondly, he said, God's going to restore you, though. God's going God's to restore you. And he says, what you're going to need to do, though, is, do, though, is fight. So I need you to, he says in chapter 3, verse 10 of, of Joel, beat your plowshares into swords. In other words, the things you've been plowing with, guys, now you need to fight. You need to turn those into swords. And you need to take your pruning hooks and turn them into spears. And then, he says, you need to stand up and say that the weak say I'm strong. I'm no longer going to be overrun by what would control my life. I'm not going to let drugs dominate my life. I'm not going to let alcohol, I'm not going to let depression, I'm not going to let the loss of man, woman, house, job, nothing. I'm going to fight for my life. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. It's that moment when you realize, listen, this is not going to change until I decide. I mean, don't you realize it's fun to drag you in the mud? It's fun to mock you? It's fun? Some people enjoy that. And, and let me say this to you. Nothing changes until you change. I, I need to look at myself and say, I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I look in the mirror. I don't like it. Do something about it. I don't like it. I don't like this. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like the way, I don't like the way it feels. I need to find a way to find something that makes me feel good about me. And that changes everything. So this whole conversation he has is all about getting him to make that decision. And so it starts in chapter 1. So let me go back to Ephesians chapter 1. And by the way, can I make an observation? There is some error in the notes in the, on the second page where it says Galatians. That's supposed to be Ephesians. So just make note of that, okay? And, and that's life and as you can see, we're not always tense here. We make mistakes. Things happen. So blame the pastor. Here we go. Now look at this. Notice with me Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 3 says this. And there are seven things I'm going to talk about. Seven things you must realize if you want to be strong. We are looking for why he said in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I'm trying to help you see there were seven things he said, six things rather, on the way to that statement. And these six things he wanted them to realize because these things would make them strong. First of all, realize that you're blessed in God's opinion. Can you say I'm blessed? I'm blessed? Chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, he says, you are a blessed person from God's perspective. You know, you got up this morning, you made it here, you drove here, you're sitting here, you walked in the door. Come on, say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. If you've ever been sick, you know that's true. If you ever been down and wasn't sure about how you were going to recover, you know that's true. Secondly, realize that you're no longer dead in God's, in God's opinion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, he made alive, excuse me, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm not like I used to be. I was in a bad spot at one time. 
Hey, look, some of you should be happy. You're just sober. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, come on, you've been high enough for all of us. Come on, say amen. You don't, no, don't say anything. But you know, I mean, you have moments, you've had moments in your life when you wouldn't, but now you're different. And so he says, you're blessed. You're no longer dead. You're not like you used to be. And number three, realize God has a purpose for your life. I'm not just here. Chapter three says this, according to the eternal, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that Christ may dwell in, in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted, grounded in love. Look at that. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is, I love this, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. God, God says, I want you to know how much, how deep my love is for you. I want you to understand, you're in a great spot. You're blessed. You're not dead anymore. You now have purpose. You can live with a sense of purpose. What a great feeling. I'll say this to you as a sidebar. You know, it's so easy to get, get away from purpose and just kind of float. One of the tragedies of being a parent is you no longer are you. You somehow define yourself by that title. I am a parent. I'm a mama, daddy. When those kids grow up <laughs> and they start moving away from you, you start getting angry because you don't feel like you have purpose. I am a pastor. Really? Okay. What about when I'm not? What, what becomes of Ricky... Ricardo Temple when he's no longer Pastor Ricky Temple. I see this with retired people if they're not careful. Their identity and who they are always is about what they used to be. But being comfortable in your own skin. You're used to people standing when you come in the room. You're used to people knowing who you are. And all of a sudden, you're not that important anymore. Something's happened in your life that's changed it. Here's my concern about me, okay? My concern. I need to have a purpose beyond my title. I don't need to live through my kids or grandkids. I never say these words. I never say I live for my kids. I never say that. Not me. Because they don't say they live for me. I'm sorry. I love you, girl. It's my daughter back there. I love you, baby. We close. We close now. We close. Like that. Christina don't say that. Mm -mm. No. She loved me. I love her. But hey, got my own life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you need, you, some of you have lost your sense of purpose. For you, you identified with a job or a title or whatever. And I'm or, or even a geographical location. I, I, I love Savannah. But I, I, and I, 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 you know, it's so funny. When I moved from Los Angeles here, Years ago, when you live there and you, there's a, there's a, there's a L.A. thing you get. You know, there's a feel. People from New York, you know what I'm talking about, right? New York, you can't talk about New York now. You may not want to live there, but you can't talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Let you know. Wherever you're from, Jersey, any Jersey people in here? They got that thing on them too. You know them Jersey people? I haven't been there before. They let your neck, you better not say nothing about Jersey. But it's like that all over the world. I feel there's something important about me being able to move on, though. To re-identify myself. To redefine me. 
by purpose. Are you lost? Because you're no longer fill in the blanks. Because you no longer have fill in the blanks, whatever it is. You don't drive that car anymore. You don't live in that neighborhood anymore. You don't have those friends. And if you're not careful, all of that can define you in a way that's unhealthy. You've got to find purpose beyond that. And let me tell you something. If you don't, it'll hound you, follow you, harass you, and you'll get lost. I love the fact that he's telling the Ephesian church, realize God has a purpose for you, a valuable purpose, eternal purpose, which he's purposed in Christ, he said in verse 11 of chapter 3. Then he goes on in chapter 4 and says this, realize also you can't do everything alone. Say that with me, please. Come on. <clears throat> chapter 4 is a great chapter. I often love to teach it because he talked about, you know, he gave in chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some of the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And he goes, it's really great. Verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. He gave all these leaders so that people would come to a place of unity. It's all about bringing people together. So no one's fighting alone. And then together they come to the, the knowledge of Christ and they, they become perfect men. Or they mature, that's what that means. And they start measuring up and they reach the full stature of what they're supposed to be. That's what this is about. It's about unifying and growing. That's the goal. Never, never fight alone. You don't do well when you fight by yourself. Do you know my, my, my key to success? I don't fight alone. Never, I, I'm never, I don't, I don't study alone. I, I, there are moments when I have to do things by myself, but I, I've learned the power of a team. Your family, <laughs> it's the way you can't win. You'll never win. Every man for himself. Everybody's thinking about who they are and how they feel. And what they want and what they went through and their story. So you tell me how bad your husband is. But what about you? What's it like being with you? Wonderful? You a 10? <laughs> I'm just trying to understand. You a 10? You never get no issues? No problems? You know what I'm saying? You just cool like that. No. There's something about my life that changed when I caught this. I stopped being so tired. I used to feel like when we drove places, I had to do all the driving. So one day I almost ran off the road. And then I hear by swore Diane and his assistant driving. I go to sleep, let her have it. Wake up and take over. Everybody say teamwork. teamwork. One day Diane looked at me and she just, you know, she knows. She knows. Dude, dude. She just kind of walked over to me. I told this before. She walked over to me. She said, hey, man, uh, why not you let me uh, have that? It's a business account. She said, let me, let me do that for you. Best decision ever made. Trying to manage it all, plane tickets, flying places, doing all this stuff. Girlfriend took it over like a kung fu master. Yeah. We're whipping her husband down. He's trying to hook this up, book this up. She said, look, and then, you know, if you're real tired 
and you're booking a whole bunch of tickets. He said, I don't care what it costs. Just paper. You start getting crazy. Diane said, nah, nah, we ain't paying that. This is the truth. She took over vacations. She has to take that over too. She cut the cost by what percentage you think you cut it by, Diane? Come on. 50%. Go on with your bad self. Just. I was tired. And when you're tired, you don't make the best decisions. The, the, the secret sauce for this church, they do everything. I walk in the door, go to my office. That's my space. I don't have to do security. Security does security. Hope you don't need them. Amen. Say amen. Praise amen. God. <laughs> but I don't have to do that. I don't have to do certain things I don't have to think about. They count the money. They deposit the money. They balance the books. They, I, I see reports every week. And a big, two big reports at the end of the month. Then they have an audit every year. I don't have to, I don't have to count the money. I don't have to go to the bank. There are things that they do it all. Listen, and this is honest to God truth. Now, I shouldn't say this. I probably shouldn't say this. But when you see the video announcements, I see the video announcements. <laughs> they know I don't know when I'm getting up. That's why they're laughing at me. Because they have to tell me, you know you're up next, right? Because my mind be somewhere else. I'd be worshiping with you folks. Where the bulletin? Let me see a bulletin. Church bulletin. Hand me a bulletin. Hand me the bulletin. I don't know what's in here. Let me see what's happening. Oh, man. Praise God. Look at that. We doing that? Man, that's new. Okay, praying pelicans in here. Oh, the kids. Hey, y'all got something going on. Look at all them events. June 8th. Y- y'all doing all that? That's it. Is that, that's the summer event? This first time I saw it. Honest to God. First time I saw it. Sh- should I know it? No. What's on the tab? Do you want to get more information about exciting activities overcome by faith events? Okay, that's new. I didn't know that either. Hmm. I like that text to act thing. I didn't put that in there. They found that. I didn't do that. That came with. I can go through the list. Why should I know everything? You know too much. Well, you the pastor. Yeah, I'm the pastor, but I'm a, I'm a rested pastor. I'm not crazy. Come on, say amen. And some of you are just too tired. You need a nap. <laughs> you own everything. You do everything. You know everything. Let, come on, say, let people, let people. Help, you. help you. You got a staff and you won't let them work. You see your boss running around making yourself crazy. Let those people work. If they don't do their job, okay, I won't say the rest. <laughs> but you have to do your job now. I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. But I cannot... I, I, some of you are living in a, in a circle of frustration. I am so much happier. It's, it's a great moment. It happened the other day. A pastor, he was, we were in a meeting, and this, they asked a question. They said, well, pastor, to the other guy, how long have you been pastoring? He said, ooh, oh, my God. Wow. Whew. Let me see. 25 years. Man, it's been a long time. Wow. That's what he said. That was his answer. Just like that. So they asked me. They said, how long have you been pastoring? I said, 38 years. And then that's it. That's all I said. They said, how come you didn't breathe like him? How come you didn't breathe? How come you weren't panting and breathing? It's because I let people help me. You're, you're too tired. You're too frustrated. At some point in your life, you have to say, 
I, I've got to be different. This isn't strong. This is frustrating. And Paul said, we've got to come to a place of unity. That's the whole goal of chapter four. And we come to a place of unity so that we're not tired. And then here's what ends up happening. Ready? We love better. Chapter five, verse two. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also, has also loved us and given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God. You don't want to offer love to anybody when you're tired and you're frustrated, when you're angry, you're grumpy. I see some preachers every time they greet you, they're mad, what, you tired, need a nap, reverend. Why are you just, mama, why are you like this? Because you're mad, you're tired, I'm going, you Playing these laundry and these kids messed up the room. I just fixed it up. I'm going to beat everybody in here. That's why you're talking like that. It's always frustrating. Imagine for a second. You ready? I'm a dream. Can you dream with me? You walk in your house and it's absolutely clean. Thank you, Jesus. Just imagine your house. I know how it looks right now, but just imagine with me. Just imagine. You ready? Here's been all the clothes are washed. Jesus. Everybody wash their own clothes. It's hung up in the closet. Jesus, thank you, God. Imagine, imagine. Nobody's mad for a whole day, 24 hours of no yelling. There's a song I was listening. Listen, last night I was tired. I was studying, you know, and I got tired last night. I had some homework I had to do. And I was tired. And, it was, I was, and so I put on the OJs. I know that ain't spiritual. But I put the OJs on. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a song. I don't forgot the name of it. It's, it's about arguments. It's 992, something like that. Arguments. Yeah, now I'm tired of you. It's really a good song. So I was, so I just, I was, I put it, I'm saving it for a marriage teaching I'm going to do. Because, you know, it's wonderful to come home and no arguments. How you doing? Good. That was great. Imagine. Imagine your life. Some of you are stuck on the OJs. Let it go in Jesus' name. Let it go. I can't believe he got them. He listened to the OJs last night where he's studying. Wasn't that, what kind of sermon? This is an OJ sermon? No, no, it's a fun one. Amen. So anyway, but you know, there's something about that moment in your life when you realize it doesn't have to be like this. We can love each other. So he says, guys, if you want to be strong, Hey, realize you're blessed, right? Realize you're no longer dead. Realize God has a purpose for your life. Realize you, you can't do everything. Realize you, you need to love other people for real, like Christ loves. And then here's a big one, number six, chapter six, be obedient. In chapter six, he says, guys, uh, <laughs> children in particular, obey your parents, verse one, in the Lord, for this is right. Now, a lot of preachers use this to tell their members, obey your pastor. This has nothing to do with pastors. They use this verse out of context. Now, I think you should be nice to your pastor. How about an amen to that? No, better than that. Come on, amen. It's nice to be nice to the preacher, but this is not about that. Because some preachers take it and say, children, obey your parents and the Lord. That's totally wrong. Here's what he's saying. Children, you need to be obedient. Then he says, honor your father and your mother. We're talking about children and the family here which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long. This is the verse that's violated. You want to know what's happened to our young people when you see violence and you see some of them leaving before they should? 
a lot of it's rooted in you didn't listen to your mama. You were not obedient. I promise you, some of the things you went through in your life would not have happened if you listened to your parents. The road you're on, I know you want to be independent. I know you want to, I want to stay out. And it's funny. I want to stay out late. Now, when you get old, you know it ain't nothing out there anyway. <laughs> Here you are at your age. You know, when you get a certain age, you don't want to stay out. You know, it's only when you're young to prove it. They don't do anything. You just stand on the corner, stand on the corner in the cold. And say, How you doing? We ain't partying. We party. No, you cold. You need to go home. You ain't doing nothing. Ricky, Ricky, was, um, Ricky was going to uh, high school. He was going to this high school thing. He was going to have this, um, this party. No, no, it was a Disney, Disney thing or whatever night. And, and they were going to go to clubs. I remember some club or something. And I said, well, you, you going to a club, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. We're going to open up all the Disney clubs for us. I said, well, I'm going to take you a week early. So I took him a week early. I said, I'm, I'm going to show you what it's like. We're going to go to a club for real. Don't do this. This is what the pastor did, but don't do it. I walked him in. I said, see, all they do is stand around here. So we went down by the dance floor. I said, you want to dance? He said, no, no, they don't want to dance. I said, just, let's just stand here. They, they, all they're going to do is stand right here and then they're going to drink. They're just drinking. And then they're going to wink at somebody. That's all they're going to do. Then go over there and tell a big lie. You know, you. <laughs> I said, boy, this is not what it appears to be. You disobeyed your parents to do things that didn't help you. It created memories for you that you've never forgotten. You went to a place they told you not to go to, and they don't know why you've been acting strange all these years. Because they don't know you climbed in the window and out the window that night. And when you got back in, you wish you'd never climbed out. Everybody said the big word, say obedience. And then after talking about all of that, he said, finally, my brother. At the end of this conversation, be strong. Be stronger than that. Decide in your life that you're going to be strong, not just naturally, but in the Lord. Your relationship with God's going to be strong. Be clear in your mind that you need to put on all the armor that God tells you so that you're able to stand against all the wiles, the tricks of the enemy. That's what the word wiles means. All the, the, the deceitful tricks. Oh, some of the lies I believed, I wish they were true. I wish you could just find somebody that's fine and they solve all your problems. Just a good-looking person. When you walk by them, you just, all your issues would just melt because you got that fine person on your arm. Wouldn't it be nice if, if um, buckle your seatbelt, buckle your seatbelt. Pray for me now. Point your hands this way. Say, help him, Jesus. I'm about to say something. You better point. Come on, come on. Say, help him, Jesus. Help him. About to say it. It's about to come out. I wish sexual intimacy could solve all the problems they tell you it could. See, I told you I'm going to say something. I, I, I said it nicely. They're lying to you. It's, you know, when you get to be full-time in that activity, you'll find out it ain't all, you know, it's wonderful, but you can't, you, you can't live there. Why are you quiet? <laughs> I, love songs lie to you. I, look, I'm in love, okay? But I'm telling you, you can't live, you can't live, you can't live on somebody's eyes. Diane got the prettiest eyes. Except when they squint. <laughs> I can't look in her eyes and live on her eyes. I, I can't. I mean, you, you, I, th- th- that's not true. I've got to be stronger than that. Finally, my brethren, be strong. 
Be clear. Be mature. Don't be childish. Be, be the kind of person who gets it. At some point in your life, you got to get to a place of strength. And here's why. Because you want to have power. That's the next thing we'll talk about next week. You're designed to be strong, deciding to be strong, and deciding to have power. You're giving all your power away. Here's how you do it. One way you do it, you spend four hours a day, on average, watching television. Four hours. And one, you can't read anything. Four hours. You just, every two days is a work day. Then you spend 80, you look at your phone 85 times a day. And if you're a millennial, if you're young, you look at it 150 times. A day. Here's, here's a prophecy. Listen to me. I mean this with love. You will never have your dreams. You'll never reach your full purpose in life because you've given away all your power. You know, you know everything about the next episode of Name the Show. Oh, yes. And then they're going to come in. And so now Bobby did it. You know, it's amazing. You know all of it and ain't got no money. I walked into a tailor shop one time. I had not seen the show. I had not seen this show ever. And she was watching, the, she was watching the, uh, uh, one of those uh, movies, uh, what is it, uh, shows, whatever it was on. And I said, oh, yes, mm-hmm, he did it. I just start making up stuff. I said, you know what? She's going to find out that that's not her baby. And, and she said, Pastor Rick, you watch this? I said, I'm telling you, I know what's going on. And Diane said, he don't know what's going on, girl. He's making it up as he goes. People are being paid a lot of money to get your time. Here you are. I love the NBA. I love watching the games. I enjoy the finals. Okay, it was great. It was wonderful, okay? But all the millionaires are going home now. Nothing wrong with that. I ain't hating on anybody. I'm just telling the truth. Two and three million dollars a month, a million dollars a week, two million dollars a week, and how much you make? Thank you, Jesus. And you got, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not against that. I, I love it and support it to some degree. But there's a moment in my life when I need to think, okay, I need to maybe turn my eyes on Jesus and myself. I need to turn my eyes in a different direction. I'm spending four hours a day. I'm sitting here having marathons on Saturday. All the shows I missed on demand, I'm watching, I don't watch 20 episodes until I'm crazy. I was looking, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess something. The little thing called Hannah, you seen that little show, Hannah? You know, the little girl, chop up people. She can she fight like her. She can fight good. And so I saw it in the movies, Hannah. And, and then, you know, she's just awesome. Her daddy used to be in the CIA and all that. Okay, good. But anyway, uh, well, now I read her daddy. That's, that's another part. See, I know the story. I told you. See? But anyway, so Hannah came on, had a series now. You watch it on demand. So I started, well, I got set up one day. I was watching Hannah, and Hannah chopped so many people, I got tired. I had to cut Hannah off. I said, Hannah, you, <laughs> you, you, I don't watch four or five of these Hannahs and, and every one hangs me. I got I to gotta see the next episode. It's like a drug. Is that your life? You're praying for God to bless you, but you have given all of your power and your time is the greatest power God gave you. Not money. If you got time, you can make some more money. Come on, say amen. But when you run out of time, everything in your life changes. So the question is, have you decided to be strong? And next week, have you decided to have power in your life? I'll talk about that next week. Let's all stand.
If the word of God helped you today, give God a big hand clap and a big shout. That's not big enough. If God's word helped you today, give a big hand clap and a big shout. Father, today we leave inspired. We leave with a clear sense of a decision. We know what we want. Purpose in our life. Value in our life. Vision in our life. We want to be stronger. We don't want to give our power away, our time away, our life away, our emotions away. Sitting here worried about people who don't value us. Crying over people who've moved on in their head. I need to focus my eyes and my heart, Lord. And so I pray that I would become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. With every head bowed, every hand down for a moment. If you are not walking with Jesus today, it starts with a decision. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make a decision to change. Being strong is all about a decision. It's when that student says, I'm studying, I'm tired of these bad grades. It's when a person says, I'm tired of my family being scattered like this. I'm tired of the fights. I make a decision to be a man of God in this house. In this relationship, I'm going to do this God's way. It's when a woman says, I want control of my life and my mind. I'm tired of this running here and there emotionally. I want God in my life. It's when you make that decision that everything changes. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, and you know the first decision you need to make is give your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want you to pray for me because my walk with God is what's an issue. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. My walk with God is the issue. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, my walk with God is the issue. Father, I thank you. I see you too. Thank you. Every hand lifted, please. Father, we lift our hands today thanking you for this opportunity. We pray that what we've talked about today has inspired them to give their life to Jesus. You died on the cross so they could be free. It starts with the decision. I want the Lord in my life. I want to open my heart to God's will for my life. And so I thank you and I praise you for the difference they'll feel today because it starts with a prayer and a decision to say, I surrender my life to Jesus. And now, Lord, I pray for everyone else and I pray for all the issues I haven't talked about. And I pray, God, that this is a moment of decision-making. In the name of Jesus. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message and I pray that it inspires you to make a decision, an important decision, one decision that can change everything. The decision to be strong is your decision. You come to a moment in your life when you say, listen, I want a strong life, strong family, strong health, strong finances, strong mental focus, rest even. I want to sleep better. It's when you decide before the living God that you want a better life for you. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone today who's been with us, who's been inspired by this message. I pray that it motivates them, that it stirs them to try, to embrace strength. The Bible says you want us to be strong in you. And so I give you praise for it in Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, listen, it's been a joy. I hope you were blessed by today's message. Send it, link it to a friend. And next week, next time in the next part of the series, we're going to talk about power. Now, believe it or not, it's one thing to be strong. It's another thing to have all the power tools you need to be successful. God's goal is to empower you so that you can function on your own. He doesn't want to drive the bike for you. He wants to strengthen your legs so you can ride the bike on your own. It'll be a great study. See you next time. Enjoy your day and be blessed. And remember, you make a decision to be strong. It's your decision. See you next time. Bye-bye.